EMS One Academy, a training solution designed for EMS chiefs, offers more than 200 courses and 250 hours of continuing education. Our modern learning solution includes flexible reporting capabilities and features to upload agency-specific courses and track credentials for recertification. Easily streamline daily administrative workflow with EMS One Academy. Start your free trial. Visit www.emsoneacademy.com slash insideems. Well, once again, it's time for that internationally recognized show, Inside EMS. And I'm your host, Chris Sotolaro. And here he is, the international Don Juan, Kelly Grayson. Kelly, what's going on? I'm good, man. Uh, does, uh, does having Interpol warrants out for us, does that count as, count as being internationally known? Well, that's the only thing I figured. I don't know what the heck uh, you're thinking. Okay. So we did miss uh, we did miss a couple shows, Kelly, and uh, yeah. you know want to say uh, you know let our audience know. First week that we missed, I was actually in Europe and uh, was in Italy, and for some reason they uh, they don't like internet there, so uh, we could <laughs> we couldn't connect for some reason. It was really crazy trying to connect too. For one, the hotel was charging like sixty bucks a day for internet. Oh, I know. It's, I'd rather get a stick in my eye. Make and you, then make you glad to be back to America. It is, man. And I, I think just now, man, just this week, it uh, my jet lag has finally gone away. So that was pretty interesting too. Well, I'm glad to hear that, man. So you're 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 boosted back up now that you're no longer fatigued. Your your IQ is climbed back up to what 80, 85? At least eighty seven and a half. So hey, one of the hey, things, an all-time best. I know. So one of the things that I was doing over there, uh, just to give you a little bit of background, so I was invited there for a task, a working group by Eli Lilly, mm-hmm. and Eli Lilly is getting ready to go to the FDA for approval of nasal glucagon. Mm. It's actually a powder that doesn't have to be um, uh, reconcentrated. That. Uh, you know, it gets on board uh, within um, it gets on board within about a minute, and it uh, kind of brings the patient around in about uh, fifteen minutes. Pretty sweet. So, so it was really kind of interesting to watch this process. I I got to talk with folks from Italy, from Spain, from Germany. It was interesting to hear the difference. Mm -hmm. in how EMS works in each country. And, you know, for Spain and Italy and Germany, their paramedics aren't allowed to give medication. They're not allowed to start IVs. Um, And and especially in Germany, if there's a challenge, the doctor actually goes out and does the work if the paramedics need to call them out, if anything needs to be done. So it was really kind of interesting just to hear how things are done around the world. Uh, you know, I met some really cool people, and it was really uh, kind of an honor to be part of that process. I, I actually, uh, a, a mutual friend, uh, met you there um, and uh, said, tell you hello. Uh, he's a nurse practitioner from uh, Indiana named Andrew Bowman. Yeah, he was, uh, he was there. Long-time man. medic and, and nurse practitioner. So he, he said, yeah, I met that, that Cibolero guy that you, you podcast with. That with the 87 and a half IQ. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> he he was kind. He said he, he said you impressed him as as having at least a ninety. 
Oh, <laughs> you see that twenty dollars pays off, man. There you go. Sometimes yeah. it just takes an Andrew Jackson to make a difference in people's <laughs> lives. But talking about making a difference in people's lives, Kelly, you know, you and I, we get a lot of emails and we get a lot of comments, and you know, we even get phone calls from people, and they really uh-huh. appreciate the fact that uh, you know we give them the address to the show so they can chat with us or to them for them to get in touch with us and we had a really great letter and you know as we sift through them to kind of find one that we talk about this one really kind of hit uh you know home for us that we wanted to discuss it so i'm going to give it to you so you can introduce it to the listeners and uh, get a little chat going on it yeah yeah steven from tulsa oklahoma uh is looking to make a career change and he um He's enrolled in an EMT basic class, and he's trying to gather information on whether EMS would be a good career for him um, and, and ask our advice on, on the issue. Uh, he says he's been listening to our podcast, and, and Stephen, thank you for that. Uh, we, we wondered who the other listener was, and um, uh, he, he's worried uh, or, or at least uh, apprehensive that his age might be an obstacle. And he just turned 35 a couple of days ago, he says, and he wondered if that's too old to make the jump to EMS. Um, he, he emphasized that he's coming into the profession with, with eyes open and he's not a starry eyed uh, idealist and he's got some, some life experience and, and that sort of thing. So he, he's the antithesis of the typical 21 year old adrenaline junkie. Uh, he just wants to know if, uh, if a 35 year old uh, in good physical condition uh, is, is too old to get into EMS. So what do you think? One of the reasons that, you know, we thought that this was going to be a good topic of discussion is because, you know, you and I, we've spent our life in the career field and and, and really try to make a difference. And, you know, we we, we discuss the goods and the bads when it comes to being part of the EMS field. Personally, I think it's the best job in the world. And, you Mm -hmm. know, sitting in that right seat when, you know, you can make the difference in somebody's life is really uh, worthwhile. But but I do think I, I want to be able to use this time to kind of talk about the the good and the bad. When somebody wants to make a career change into EMS, this I think is the type of individual that will make a, a good um, uh, choice in becoming part of the career field because we do this for different reasons and and some of us are kind of thrown into it and that and I was thrown into it. That's how I got started. It wasn't my plan to be a paramedic and I was resentful when they told me that I was going to have to work in the medical field and uh, I didn't want to do that. But when people make the choice of coming in, they usually make pretty good, you know, uh, EMS professionals, but there are some downsides to this as well. And of course, first is, is the amount of money that you're going to get paid. Mm-hmm. You know, it takes you a good amount of time to develop in the field before you can make a wage that is really, um, I guess, sustainable. And yeah. that's one of the horrible things about EMS is the amount of money that folks get paid. But I like to hear people who are transferring into this job because mm-hmm. they usually they usually make really good EMS professionals. What do you think? I personally, if I were to choose my ideal student uh, and the person I would recruit into EMS, uh, that would be the age group I'm going for. Someone uh, well over age 25, say 25 to 30. Um, And, and you mentioned the the financial aspect and, and the pay is, is the great limiting factor. But having said that there are places that pay well, you can find them. You may not be able to find them in your town, 
but if you're willing to move uh, and go where you're valued as a, as a paramedic, uh, you can certainly find uh, good paying wages. Um, uh, and as far as, as uh, his age concerned, 35, there, that's absolutely no hurdle at all if he's physically fit uh, and can, you know, look, I'm 50 years old and not physically fit. I can still do this job as well as anyone. Uh, just don't ask me to run to anything. Are you, are you 50? Yes, I'm, I will be 50 uh, in a few months. You know so. what? I never would have thought that you were 50 years old. I mean, it well, was because I'm 17 at heart. That, well, I think that know. that's it. But I'd have put I'd have put you in your damn late 30s, early 40s, man. So yeah, I'll be, even, I'll be 50 in just uh, just a few months. October so, the 18th. So even though that you, what is it, October the 18th? October the 18th. I expect a really nice gift. Yeah, let me. I'm writing that down right now, and uh, <laughs> yeah, I think sure I, I think I'm gonna be out of town. But uh, you know, but anyway, I, I'm just amazed. So that's my something new that I learned today. But yeah. you know, one of the things that you said that I really want to kind of examine uh, because I, I find it interesting that you said if you're going to find your ideal student of somebody that you want to teach, you say that this is your age range. Mm-hmm. Well, I mean, what is it about this age range that makes it different for you, and why is it that uh, you would take them over somebody who's younger? Because you've you've heard me say it uh, numerous times on this podcast, we we spend way too much time and effort trying to attract uh, 21-year-old adrenaline junkies and teaching them how to hold hands, when what we should be doing is is attracting hand holders uh, and and teaching them how to function in a crisis. Uh, And people with some life experience, people who gained a little hard-won wisdom uh, over the years, to my mind, make better EMTs. It's not that a young person can't, um, but I, I would like them uh, to be a little more seasoned uh, before they come into EMS. Now, having said that, like I said, when, when you're when you're at in that demographic, you're also at that point where those are your prime working years, and you need to be making good money during those years, particularly if you're trying to raise a family uh, and you have a mortgage and and all that kind of stuff to deal with uh so so many people say that ems is a young man's game but it's not really a young man's game it's a it's a young it's it's a a game for people who are physically capable of doing it and and youth kind of goes hand in hand with that but uh if you make wise decisions um and and go to where the money is uh, there's absolutely no reason that a 35-year-old couldn't get into EMS and have a rewarding career uh, and and retire in, in good shape. Yeah, and one of the things that uh, I think you bring up that really good point, and I think an EMS is one of those jobs that you really have to be able to, you know, put into it what you want to get out of it. Mm-hmm. And, uh, but I do think that there's a lot of challenges in the career field when it comes to, uh, you know, poor leadership, when it comes to the – um, workforce not being uh, engaged uh, as well as they could. But, you know, I, I do like to hear the people who are, you know, thinking about coming into the field from something else. And, and I got to tell you, when you when you talk about, uh, and I'm with you, when you talk about a young man's game, uh, there are people who are in our field that have been doing it for decades and decades mm-hmm. and are still doing it well and exactly and still doing it well i mean we see people that are retired i was talking to somebody i was in um a part of missouri near kansas city earlier in the week 
and I was talking to this guy who is uh, 40 years retiring. And I, I said to him, I said, well, sign up on this roster and get yourself some CEs. Like, that's it. 17 days. I'm done. I don't need any more CEs. <laughs> no, no more recertification every two years. No more keeping up with my CEs. Uh, yeah, if I had to give that up, that, that would be, I wouldn't miss uh, the, the uh, biannual process of recertification. But Otherwise, uh, I still I still uh, get a great deal of joy out of EMS. Uh, some days less than others, uh, and 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 I, I would be fooling myself. I said it wasn't wearing on me physically, but that's not necessarily because of my age. That is because of my physical condition, you know. And, and I'm out of shape, and and uh, I'm to I would my job satisfaction would probably increase immensely if I were in better shape, which is why I'm trying to. Uh, to get that under control, but the the whole, um, y- you know, as you grow and mature in EMS, um, there comes that time where you, you have that epiphany that that uh, most of what you do um, is, uh, or, or most of the things that you used to think were important uh, are really not uh, patient care wise, um, and the customer service and, and the simple act of caring for another human being is probably the most valuable thing that you can you can give your patients. Um, and I always I refer to that as, you know, as, uh, as wisdom, but it doesn't necessarily, that wisdom doesn't necessarily have to be earned in EMS. Uh, I'm not so sure that it's not just life experience, you know, and you just grow, you grow older and get a little wiser. Uh, and it doesn't necessarily have to be years spent on a truck uh, to gain that wisdom. Um, and, and it takes a while in the profession to learn that valuable skill of, of circumspection and restraint and know what's necessary and what's not and how to, how to stand back, be the, the stand back big picture, non-interventionalist, direct the work of others, paramedic. Um, and that's one reason I kind of like uh, to have a, a slightly older student. Um, but if Stephen, if Stephen wants to get into this profession, um, there are certainly places he could go. Uh, and find a rewarding career that will pay his bills uh, and and allow him to uh, to serve his fellow man um, and and his age at 35 and, and he says he's in good physical shape that should be no obstacle whatsoever uh, if he wants to do it I say rock on and you know one of the things that I, I was I was doing a, a podcast last week I was a guest on um, someone's show who is in the leadership space and we were talking about uh, leadership and they were asking me about my uh, experience in the EMS field and specifically you know what has EMS done for me in developing as a leader one of the things that I shared with them is is on on almost on on every call that we deal with and certainly there, there's an array of leadership um, I guess attributes that you run through on a call of course you're talking about uh, communication skills. You may be mm-hmm. talking about crisis management. You may yeah. be talking about conflict resolution. You know, you may be talking about motivation. You know, you may be talking about just so many different attributes that we use in the leadership space that we may run through five or six of them on those critical calls that we need to yeah. deal with. So when we think about the, you know, the experience that you get as a paramedic and then having the experience of life of a 30 some odd year old, is it a better transition now 
to uh, be more of effective as a, as a, as a leader, as a, a EMS provider, because you would have been and would have learned some of these skills in another career field? Uh, that's, that's a real good question. Um, you know, the, the skills that you, uh, the so I think skills. I think the IQ is now ninety two. So <laughs> yeah, uh, I'm sorry, you sucked a couple. Words yeah, so I didn't mean to cut you off. Go ahead, go ahead. You got a couple of my points. Um, um, I don't think those those skills are are uni- Those leadership skills are unique to EMS, uh, and, and I think they they kind of they come with. Uh, I don't want to be that guy that says that age confers wisdom because it doesn't. Well, I know plenty of old people that are just flat out stupid, um, but. Um, I think that, that you look at the world differently when you're 35 than you did when you were 25 and you understand what's important and, and what's effective. You know, um, when I was 25, I was, uh, I was a bit of an adrenaline junkie and I thought leadership meant, uh, barking orders and, and, uh, taking charge of things. And, and now, uh, I realize I can accomplish the same thing without ever raising my voice, um, and probably accomplish more without ever raising my voice because people kind of tend to gravi- gravitate to that, that island of calm in, the, in that, in that uh, sea of turmoil. Those skills uh, I picked up in EMS, but I don't, uh, but that's because I spent 25 years in EMS. I started as a fairly young man and now I'm a middle-aged man. I don't know that those skills couldn't be picked up outside of EMS uh, and you couldn't learn to lead people just as effectively um, uh, in another profession and, and the skills transfer over. You spent time in the, in the military, you were in the air force. I'm sure that a great deal of the leadership skills that you have now were cultivated, uh, when you were wearing a uniform. No, 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 you don't think so? No, no, no. When I was in the military and it really it prepared me to be a horrible leader, even though they teach the science of leadership in their military preparation courses and uh, in the air force they have several that you go through as you get up there in rank but it was very very it was a very very autocratic uh Mm -hmm. system uh i remember the first time uh you know a senior master sergeant said to me uh who has uh seven six stripes on his arm or whatever it is Mm -hmm. you know if i didn't like his decision to come and rub his nose up and down these a few times as he pointed to his stripes Mm -hmm. so i i think that it it gave me the opportunity to say i could be a leader but it didn't give me the tools necessary to work in the private sector as a successful leader. And for a lot of years, man, I mean, I failed because of that, because I tried to bring Mm -hmm. that forward and be the finger pointer and be the, because I said, so that's why. And, and it took me a lot of years, man, to, to learn the science of leadership and to be effective. So, um, well, I would, I would argue with you just quibble mainly, not really argue with that, that, uh, that's that kind of experience, uh, even with your, with the master sergeant, um, uh, and, and rubbing his, rubbing your, his chevrons in your face, um, was a valuable leadership lesson as well, because, you know, they're also valuable as cautionary tales. A <laughs> guy may not have been a role model and a mentor, but I'll bet you, you say now, well, I'm not going to treat people right. like that guy did, you no, know? So right. they're an example of how not to behave, uh, you know, and, and go find a really bad leader and do just the opposite, you know, yeah, right. and, and, or, um, and that sort of thing. Um, and I've, that has been a lesson for me as well, you know, in, in EMS, you know, 
how, how would I treat my people? Well, I can take that one guy and I will do the exact opposite of what right. he does with his subordinates. And that's got to be better uh, leader than, than he is currently. Um, and <laughs> it still works that way. Sure does. Um, and I know, I mean, and this is a good transition, I think, as well, because we've talked about, you know, uh, the way not to act. And another yes. story that made uh, headlines over the oh past couple God, weeks yes. uh, occurred with the uh, uh, EMT who was spit on by a restrained uh, patient. And uh, there was uh, allegedly there was some, uh, you know, uh, beating of that patient to where mm-hmm. the cops had to get involved. And uh, I believe the uh, young lady was placed under arrest. And, you know, one of the things that I think that I took from that, Kelly, and I, I really want to hear your thoughts on it, is that have we really gotten to a point where people within our career field are so bittered or so burnt or so, um, I don't know, give me another word, I mean, just disassociated with, with, with compassion, mm-hmm. that is this what our career field is starting to be known as? And certainly we can't label the whole career field. But we do see those people that may not be uh, um, assaulting patients, but is it, doesn't it even go to the compassion of not, or doesn't even go to the definition of not caring about some of these patients uh, when they call us and ask us for aid? Uh, I don't. I don't think it's a. I don't think uh, her example is is endemic by any stretch of the imagination. I, I think that that stories like hers. Uh, which leave a black eye on the profession and a black eye on her agency uh, are the extremes. Um, and the vast majority of care that's rendered uh, is, is not of the extremes and, and thus not newsworthy. Um, I, you know, we won't mention the, the agency that she works for, but, but I can remember a recent news story uh, of an employee from that very same national EMS company that was, was uh, uh, videoed mowing the lawn of a patient they had taken to the hospital um, and he was hospitalized and this elderly man couldn't take care of his own lawn. That's a great point. Um, great point. And he went, you know, went back and, and mowed the lawn. And that to me is, that's a stellar example of servant leadership and, 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 and being a, a, a stellar caregiver. Um, you know, I don't know. I mean, that guy might not be able to hit water if he fell out of a boat when it comes to sticking IVs. Uh, but he's a winner in my book uh, for for doing that sort of thing for a patient, going the extra mile. So stories like that, the, the extremes are what makes the news. It's it's the quiet caring the, that goes on 99.9% of the time that really doesn't make the news because it's something that we just do as as a routine. That's who we are, um, and, and it's not it's so common that it's not newsworthy. Um, but I think that I, I really don't think that the EMS uh, uh, that her case is, is emblematic of, of a you know a death of compassion or, or professional rot in, in emergency medical services. It was just one really really um, bad day for one person who probably really doesn't need to be in this profession. Um, you know I, I don't think she was a she may have been having a, a very very bad day and is otherwise a nice person, but you you cannot have a bad day when you're in EMS, you have bad days. You hope that they, that they don't affect the patient, but a day where you flip out and beat a patient is a day you cannot have. 
Uh, if you're capable of that, then you might want to seek a, a rewarding career in the fast food service industry, and we can watch you beating up on unruly customers at behind the counter at Burger King. Um, but it can't happen in EMS. You know, Chris, you know it was egregious if a police officer chided her and, and called her down about it and ultimately arrested her. Because you know that the cops and the firefighters, 99.9% of the time, are going to take our side if if there's any ambiguity whatsoever. If she was so over the top that a cop was like, whoa, uh, that's out of line, it was bad. And, and you watched the video same as I did, you know, the, the profanity and the, and the screaming, he spit on me, he spit on me. Yeah, well, yeah, okay. You know, next time, avert your eyes, put an oxygen mask on but you can't flip out. You can get mad, but you should never display your anger. You should never let your anger bubble out and and uh, and and uh, boil over onto your patient. That's what she did, and uh, it's a damn shame. Um, uh, but but I still think it's it's somewhat of a rarity in EMS. But hey, that's what we think. We'd like to know what you think. Um, let us know what your thoughts are on our 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 reader question. What's What's what age is too old to get into EMS? What age is too young to get into EMS? Um, is it becoming a point in our profession where where it's us versus the patients and, and uh, incidents like we saw with the woman beating her, her patients that spit on her? Is that going to become more common? Email us at the show at EMS1.com. And for myself and co-host Chris Sobolero, who's getting smarter every day because of his contact with me. I'm Kelly Grace. Thanks for tuning in to Inside EMS. We'll catch you guys next week.